0: Welcome to 1001 Radio Crime Solvers Podcast. This is your host, John Hagedorn, and we want 1001 Radio Crime Solvers to be your favorite place to go to enjoy a great mix of vintage detective shows from the golden age of radio. The scripts were great, the action was hot, and even the old commercials are enjoyable. And now, another episode of 1001 Radio Crime Solvers is ready to go. Enjoy!
1: The Adventures of Sam Spade, Detective. Brought to you by Wild Root Cream Oil Hair Tonic, the non alcoholic hair tonic that contains lanolin. Wild Root Cream Oil, again and again, the choice of men who put good grooming first.
2: Sam's Bay Detective Agency.
3: It's me, sweetheart, risen from not one but two deathbeds.
2: Oh, Sam, I bet not.
4: You wouldn't take that lying down.
3: Oh, Effie, you made a joke.
4: Well, you did first, Sam.
3: I did not.
4: Oh,
5: you mean you
3: actually Oh, uh, Now, don't pin me down. Anyway, I was present at two dying declarations. Would you believe, Effie, that a man could say something that wasn't true at a time like that? Oh,
5: no. You mean a man would be lying? On his deathbed? Oh,
3: Effie, you made a joke. Oh,
2: Sam, now stop it. I don't know what you're It's all right,
3: Effie. I forgive you. You can atone by telling me how wonderful you think I am. I think you That you may do when I arrive in a trice to dictate my report on the deathbed caper.
1: Dashiell Hammett, America's leading detective fiction writer and creator of Sam Spade, the hard-boiled private eye, and William Spear, radio's outstanding producer-director of mystery and crime drama, join their talents to make your hair stand on end with the adventures of Sam Spade. Presented by the makers of Wild Root Cream Oil for the hair. Tell me, mister, how many times a day do you have to comb your hair? Not many, I'll bet, if you groom it right first thing every morning with Wild Root Cream Oil. For this famous hair tonic grooms your hair neatly and naturally and helps it to stay that way throughout the day. Wild Root Cream Oil also relieves dryness and removes loose dandruff. With Wild Root Cream Oil, you don't have to keep combing your hair every two minutes. (laughs) That is, unless your gal can't resist running her hands through it. Get Wild Root Cream Oil Hair Tonic. Again and again, the choice of men who put good grooming first. And now, with Howard Duff starring as Spade, Wild Root brings to the air the greatest private detective of them all, in the adventures of Sam Spade.
3: Many brave hearts are asleep in the deep. I'm
6: Sam, you're
3: Captain Sam, here's the brig for you. You got your logbook handy, gal? Oh, yes, Captain. So beware... You make it,
6: that's awful deep.
3: Be... Oh. Date, June 20th, 1948. Where? Oh, I have no shame. To uh, Marin County Sheriff's Office, San Rafael, California. Attention, Deputy Woodington from Samuel Spade, license number 137596. Subject, the uh, deathbed caper. Dear Bill, the uh, dawn came up like thunder out of Chinatown across the bay. In San Francisco, all we could see was fog. But on your side, it must have lifted briefly because somebody named Dan Starbuck managed to find his way to a phone booth, call me, and ask me to meet him at the Third Street Pier in Sausalito. I didn't see him when I first got there. I didn't even see the pier. It was still foggy. But in the glow of the neon lights in front of the Viking saloon, I saw a man who seemed to be waiting for somebody. He was a big guy with a good face, but plenty of worry on it. Mr. Spade? Yeah, Mr. Starbuck. Dan Starbuck. Come on down to the end of the pier. I'll explain as we go along. We've got to hurry. You act hot. You wanted for something? Well, not yet. What's the caper? Well, it... My brother's out there on his yacht, the Marguerite. He's dying. When he's dead, they may call it murder. I want to be there with a the witness. That's you. In case he has anything to say about who did it. Who did? They think I did. Did you? Well,
7: honestly, I don't know. It happened the night before last. I went out there to see him. We've hated each other for years. We've both been drinking, and we drank some more. Then there was a fight. I drew a blank somewhere. Next thing I knew it was around midnight. I pulled myself together, went into his
3: cabin. Gordon was lying there with his head all kicked. I realized I was covered with blood and I was holding something in my hand, big glass paperweight. I dropped it. I got out of there fast and swam ashore. I planned to tell you a different story, but that's it. You want the job or not? You think you'll make a deathbed statement that'll clear you and you want me for a witness? Yeah, that's it. You got a lot of guts. I'm hired. Good. Alverson? Get down there. Alverson!
1: Who's Halverson? Oh, he's a boatman. He'll row us out.
3: Halverson? Hey, Nils? Danny? Yeah.
1: Is that you, Casino?
3: Sure. Can I do you some favor? Uh, I want to go out to the Marguerite. I can't find Halverson anywhere.
8: Well, I guess I can take you. Are you sure that yeah, you... I'm sure. Uh, uh, Sam Spade,
3: Del Casino. He's the boss of the Marguerite.
8: Glad to meet you. Sam. Any friend of Danny's. Hey, listen, Danny, you sure you want to go out there?
3: Any reason why you shouldn't?
8: Well, it's up to him. In his place, I would be on a freighter for China, way out there where the fog is more thicker. No,
3: it's all
7: right, Casino. I know what I'm doing.
8: Well, uh, your friend, you you excuse me, your name? Spade. Pardon me, I better ask. The police don't want you for nothing? Not
3: yet, but don't make book on it.
8: Uh, Push us clear, Danny. (laughs) All right. This fog is closing in. But I can still see the lights from the Marguerite. I wish we don't find her.
3: But we did. She was wearing clam diggers and off-the-shoulder T-shirt and was leaning against the rail as the dinghy pulled past a police launch and nestled in under the ladder of the yacht.
5: Dell? Del, is that you?
3: Yes, Mister Starbuck.
5: Who is that with you? Keep quiet. Del, Del, what are they saying ashore about the... Oh, I, I thought you... You're Mrs. Starbuck? Yes.
3: I'm Sam Spade. I'm from San Francisco. I'm a detective. Your brother-in-law's on the boat. You captured him? He wants to come aboard.
5: He wants to? Why?
3: He's hoping your husband will say something to clear him before he dies. Is there any reason why he shouldn't come aboard?
5: Oh, there's every reason in the world why he shouldn't. The police are in there with my husband right now. Yeah. The doctor says there's a possibility that he may regain consciousness long enough to make a dying declaration. Mm-hmm. If if he's face to face with Dan, there's no telling what he'll say. I wish Dan wouldn't. My, my husband is dying.
3: Dan?
6: Yeah. What'd she say?
3: I don't know, but I think you'd better come aboard. He seemed almost delighted as he swung his weight up out of the dinghy and climbed the ladder. Del Casino, the bosun followed, wearing a puzzled expression that turned to fear as we entered the cabin. The yellow glare from the lamp swinging overhead was almost blinding to walk into out of the foggy night. The first thing I focused on was the bunk that held the dying man. His head was heavily bandaged, his skin was chalk white, and his lips were beginning to turn blue. The room was tense with waiting ranged around him in a semicircle with the supporting players. Two doctors, one family type with a nurse, one police medic without, one sheriff with cigar, one police stenographer, female with pencil and notebook poised, nine-tenths of a widow, and us. At 18 minutes past seven, somebody moved. It was a dying man. The two doctors rushed forward, took his pulse and blood pressure. The scarf. Adrenaline 3CC, carmine
8: 1, saline solution. All right, Sheriff. He's you. conscious now, but uh, you'd better hurry.
9: All right, good. Uh, Mr. Starbuck, you can hear me all right? Take that down.
5: Can you hear me? Affirmative answer.
9: Now, Mr. Starbuck, we have to ask these questions. One, what is your name? Please try to answer. What is your name? Gordon Imstar. You got that? What is your name? Gordon M. Star? That's close enough. Fill it in later. Now, Mr. Starbuck, where do you live? Uh, where do you live? I'm dead. You got that? 077 Marymount, Pasadena. Hey. Now, Mr. Starbuck, let's try a little harder. Hmm? This is a long one. Have you been injured and what was the cause of your injury? Uh, yes. Hurts, man. My... You got that? Affirmative. Now the second part, what was the cause of your injury?
0: Head.
9: Head on head. Uh, Do you believe that you're about to die as a result of your injuries and have you no hope of recovery? (sighs) I know. No hope. Uh, now let's get to the point. Who inflicted said injuries? My. Mr. Starbuck, please, you haven't much time, you know. Go away. Doc, is there anything you can do? I'm afraid none.
5: Oh, this is ghastly. Can't you leave him alone? Can't you let him die in peace? What are you
7: afraid of, Maggie? What are you afraid he'll say?
5: All right. All right, tell them, Gordon. It was Dan that struck you, wasn't it? He was jealous. He always hated you for marrying me.
9: It was Dan... Now, 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 Mr. Starbuck, I know how you feel, but we can't allow this sort of thing. Please step aside so we can finish up here. Mr. Starbuck... Doctor?
8: Uh, very low pulse. I'm not sure. Dan. Really. Dan.
9: Is Dan here? Here I am, Gordon. Tell him. Tell him the truth. Do you identify this man, Mr. Starbuck? Yes. He's my brother. Dan. Yeah. You got that? Brother Dan, he's... He's the brother. one. He's lying?
7: Gordon, you know who did it.
9: Why don't you tell the truth? <sighs> what do
7: you
8: got to lose now? Nothing. 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 I'm finished. You finished me. Gordon! Uh, Gordon! Not yet. Uh, I'll come back. uh,
6: uh, Doctor, can't you... uh, uh,
9: He's dead. Well... Okay, Doc. Dennis Starbuck, it is my duty as sheriff of this county to take you into custody on suspicion of murder. And I must tell you that anything you say may be held against you. You better come along too, Spade. Routine questioning, you know. Okay, sir. Sure. And I don't think we'll need the handcuffs, will we, son? No, I'll go with you. Yes, indeed, son. It's always smart to come along quietly. Yeah.
8: But this is as far as I'm Hey, Dan, come back hey, here! Boys, Use I... your hand!
3: He had one friend who was the best friend in the world for a man on the land, the fog. The searchlights on the police launch spun frantically as the craft heeled around in a half circle to head him off. Instead of cutting the fog, the beams from the powerful lights bounced back from it and blinded the men behind them. After ten minutes of that, they gave up. The sheriff had a theory.
9: Uh, Don't worry. Between the fog and the currents, I doubt if we'll make it. We'll probably recover the body in the morning.
3: And they did. But it wasn't Dan Starbuck's body. It was the bosun, Del Casino, and he was found in Richardson Bay adrift in the dinghy from the Marguerite. Somebody had creased his skull with the same type blunt instrument that had been used on Gordon's Starbuck. But Del hadn't lived long enough to make a dying declaration.
1: The makers of Wild Root Cream Oil are presenting the weekly Sunday adventure of Dashiell Hammett's famous private detective, Sam Spade. Now, here's important news on good grooming. If you want the well-groomed look that helps you get ahead socially and on the job, listen. Recently, thousands of people from coast to coast who bought Wild Root Cream Oil for the first time were asked, How does Wild Root Cream Oil compare with the hair tonic you previously used? The results were amazing. Better than four out of five who replied said they preferred Wild Root Cream Oil. And no wonder. It gives you the advantages that men consider most important. Wild Root Cream Oil grooms your hair neatly and naturally, relieves annoying dryness, and removes loose dandruff. What's more, non-alcoholic Wild Root Cream Oil is the only leading hair tonic that contains soothing lanolin. That's like the oil of your skin. So ask for Wild Root Cream Oil Hair Tonic. Again and again, the choice of men who put good grooming first. By the way, smart girls use wild root cream oil, too. And mothers say it's grand for training children's hair. And now, back to Caper with Two Deathbeds. Tonight's adventure with Sam Spade.
3: police theory of the del casino killing went something like this casino had shoved off in the dinghy to join in the search for dan starbuck had rescued him and been maced for his pains also found in the dinghy but not as yet worked into the police theory were two items one a waterproof wallet containing the seaman's papers of one nils halverson two a tattoo mark on the right bicep of the deceased a small heart with a name in it maggie the brand-new widow of the same name was waiting in my office when I got there the following afternoon. Hello. Hello to you, Mrs. Starbuck. What can I do for you?
5: Mr. Spade, I, I know very little about the ethics of your profession, and, well, are, are you still working for Danny?
3: If you mean, do I know where he is, the answer is no. Oh,
5: I hoped you'd say that. Why? Because I want you to work for me.
3: Need a new bosun? Uh,
5: You needn't have put it quite so crudely. No, I needn't. Since your work is confidential, I'll admit I've... I've done a few things that... Well, it's all too true. My first mistake was marrying Gordon Starbuck when I didn't love him. And I should never have let myself fall in love with Dan. I certainly should have known better than to let Dell fall in love with me.
3: What about Nils Halverson?
5: And me? Well, hardly... No. Nils Halverson was employed by my husband for various odd jobs whenever we put in at Sausalito. Mostly he'd row the guests out to the ship. He rowed Danny out the night my husband was killed. At least I think he did. I didn't actually see him.
10: Where's
3: Halverson now?
5: Uh, I don't know. He he goes off on drunks for days at a time, but, but, but I have a feeling that someone has paid him to disappear. He he might have overheard something. Hold on a minute. You're
3: going too fast. Are you uh, working up to a confession?
5: Oh, no. It's, it's just that I'm afraid a great injustice may have been done to Danny. After all, Mr. Spade, a man who's dying, I don't see how he could be altogether in his right mind. Do you?
3: The law says he is if he knows his name and address. A deathbed accusation is the strongest evidence a lawyer can shove at a jury. You can't cross-examine a dead man, and most people have the quaint idea that a man on his deathbed is a lot more truthful than he was when he was hale and hearty.
5: Then you think Gordon may have been lying?
3: Could be, or wool-gathering, or picking up some of the lines you were feeding him.
5: Oh, I I was just afraid he might die before he... You you see, I thought I might shock him into saying yes or no. He, He could have said no, couldn't he?
3: Well, make up your mind.
5: Oh, all I know is it's on my conscience now. If we could find old Halverson and force him to tell what he knows. He's a very strange man. He's devoted to me. If if the police find him before I do, he he might refuse to talk out of a mistaken loyalty. To you? Well, I, I meant if he thought I had anything to do with the... Well, he's very strange. I told you that.
3: What makes you so sure he's alive?
5: Why wouldn't he be?
3: If I'd been the killer and he'd rode me to and from the scene of my crime, I'd see him secured in Davy Jones' locker. Fish feed, lobster bait, asleep in the deep.
5: Will you work
3: for me? I'll let you know. I didn't have time to get tattooed, but the rest of me was marinated enough. On my head, I was wearing a dirtied-up yachting cap. And the rest of me, I was wearing a pea jacket, dungarees, and sea boots. I was also wearing clamshell number five as I rolled up to the Viking saloon. Well, what did it be, mate? Uh, Arkavit and Wachter. Uh, have you seen my cousin? Your cousin? Suppose your cousin, Prince Value? Uh, no, m- my cousin, Niels Halverson. Uh, Niels Halverson. Oh, no. You're Niels' cousin, I. Mm. Yeah. Well, uh, coming from the old country. Uh, yeah, uh, Minnesota. Uh, by you, Minnie. Well, no, he'll be right glad to see you then. Uh, where, uh, Fair, is he? Uh, <clears throat> I don't want to say this too loud. Yeah. Bend over there yeah.
9: He's in trouble, you know. Oh? Yes. I got him holed up down below. Oh. Yeah, come on. Come on.
3: Well, by golly, I sure been glad to be going to see my cousin Niels, <laughs> Niels Halverson. Drop the act and get down there. Hey!
1: Okay,
8: Joe, I'll take over from here. here. Easy, easy. Okay, Danny, my boy, I got his gun. But well, watch him now, watch him. He's full of smorgasbord.
3: Well, Spade, you're the one person I didn't expect to see. But I'm very glad to. Yeah. I wish I hadn't found you. I wanted to find somebody else first. Halverson? Yeah. He's here. Want to see him? That's what I came for. And under here. Watch your head, low bridge. Yeah. Here we are. Where? A boathouse under the pier. Halverson used to hole in here to sleep off his schnapps. Where is he now?
10: Over here. Uh
3: Uh-huh. Yeah, he's gonna be a long time sleeping this one off. He'd been missing
7: since that night. Nobody knew he was here till last night. I headed for the saloon when I swam ashore. Joe hid me
3: out here. He could still talk then. What'd he say? I wrote it down here. But it's no help. Let's see it. Well, it's just a jumble of words. Uh, marguerite, marguerite. Merry Christmas drink. My beautiful Helga. Row, row your boat. Now throw me back, row me back. $20, good and drunk. Fog rolling in, good and drunk. Gonna be five days, no business. Oh, my head. Paint the book. All oh, crazy stuff. $20. Uh, did you give him 20 bucks to roll you I out? I didn't even see him. I swam out. My loving brother wouldn't have let me on board if he'd heard me arriving like a gentleman. 20 bucks. Did you frisk him? No. I'll have a look. Oh, no, I don't... Hey, Wait. Huh. Real soggy, but a twenty. I don't care. I'm sticking to my story. I swam out there. I didn't give him that twenty. <sighs> Maybe you didn't. <laughs> Maybe you didn't. Well, you got to believe me. I didn't even have twenty bucks. That's why I shut got... up. What's the matter with you? What are you gonna do? Come over here, Dan. Why? Hey. I don't believe a word of your story, and even if I did, it wouldn't make any difference. Well, what are you? Shut up! You're gonna stop talking and listen for a while. I stuffed a gag into his mouth and muscled him over to a piling and handcuffed him to it. He didn't even look surprised. He just stood there, staring at me as if he'd lost his last friend in the world. But I wasn't looking at him as much as I was listening to those footsteps on the boards overhead. I waited for them to come back. They did. I walked across the soggy planks to where Nils Halverson lay in the shadows. Nils, I want you to answer these questions again. Now, this time, I'm going to take them down. You get lots of $20 and lots of drink. Now then, I know you don't feel so good. You don't have to talk if you don't feel like it. Just nod your head for yes and shake it for no. Okay, Nils? That counts in a court of law as long as there's a witness. Okay. Now, your name is Nils Halverson. Your address is 213 Bayview Sausalito. That's correct, is it? Nod your head. Good. Good. That proves you're in your right mind. You know you were injured. Yeah. You know the cause of your injury. Hit on the head and thrown over the side of your boat. What? Huh? Not from... Oh, dingy! Well, it's the same thing. All right. Now, you know you're dying. You have no hope of recovery. That's obvious, but nod your head. That's the boy. Now, uh, Nils, on the night of the 18th, around 10 o'clock after your usual working hours, you rode somebody out to the yacht Marguerite in return for which this person gave you a $20 bill. This person is also the person who killed who, in- who inflicted your fatal injuries. It is. Now, uh, the name of that person, if you can possibly speak even in a whisper, so there can be no mistake. Can you hear me? Just say it close to my ear. Yeah? Yes. Yes, I got it. That's all. Now, I know you don't write, Nils, but make your mark here. Come on, I'll guide your hand. There. Now we're gonna take... Nils. Nils. Well, anyway. All right, Maggie. Come on in and join the party. Uh, Don't try anything. The light's on you. I'm a better shot than you, and if there's a ruckus, the whole saloon will be down on us. They're all friends of Danny's, too. Stop there. Toss the gun. Okay. What's the matter, Angel? You look kind of scared.
5: No. Just disappointed, that's all.
3: Don't give up so easy, sweetheart. I always wanted to take a trip around the world.
5: We might go on the Marguerite together.
3: Yeah, yeah, sailing into the sunset... Sleeping with our deathbed statements under each other's pillows.
5: I see what you mean. I guess it wouldn't work. How much for yours, and what do we do about him?
3: Dan? I'll take care of that. Throw it in with a deal.
5: Okay. But I want it in writing. A little statement to the effect that I can keep under my pillow.
3: Fair enough. Now, all I want from you is a little statement from you to this effect that you, Marguerite Starbuck, employed Nils Halverson to row you out to the yacht on the night of the 18th, that you there overheard a quarrel between your husband and brother-in-law, and that taking advantage of said brother-in-law's inebriated condition, you sneaked up behind your husband, hit him with a paperweight, and decamped, leaving the murder weapon in Dan's hand. You then started back to shore in the dinghy, and realizing that the only witness who could testify you were aboard that night... All right,
5: all right. All right, I'll sign it. Okay. We'll have plenty of time to put in all the legal decorations later. I'm
3: afraid we won't, baby. You're going to be spending all your available time at the Hatchipi and Points West.
5: What are you talking you about? You just made
3: a full confession in front of a witness. You heard it, didn't you, Dan? Every word.
5: Oh, if fight. Honest. An honest man.
3: Well, I did tell a fib. Now, this is really going to hurt, I'm afraid, Maggie. You see, we didn't actually have any deathbed statement to match yours. No. No. Nils Halverson was a good deal too dead to have made a deathbed statement just now. He's been stiff for 12 hours. Uh, period, and a report.
6: Well, Sam, I'll type this right up because then I'm leaving.
3: Wait a minute, Effie. I had to do it that way. Don't you understand?
6: Of course, Sam. I quite understand.
3: But you object, huh? A cruel, ruthless, murdering, though beautiful woman foiled by a clever ruse. A great acting performance by the greatest private detective of them all. Is that all? You're still leaving.
6: Yes, Sam. I bags a pack.
3: Well, pardon me for having feet.
1: There's a reason, men. In fact, there are five big reasons why more men every day are turning to wild root cream oil for well-groomed hair wild root cream oil grooms your hair neatly and naturally wild root cream oil relieves dryness and removes loose dandruff wild root cream oil is non-alcoholic and contains soothing lanolin five big reasons why you too should join the millions with handsome well-groomed hair why you should step up to your drug or toilet goods counter and ask for wild root cream oil get the big economy bottle and the handy new tube that's easy to pack when you travel and just right for the office or plant Also, ask your barber for a professional application of Wild Root Cream Oil Hair Tonic. Again and again, the choice of men who put good grooming first.
6: Well, here it is, Sam. Goodbye. Now, wait a
1: minute,
3: Effie. You can't leave like this, not without... Oh,
6: all right. I'll talk to you while I'm putting my hat on.
3: Well, can't you at least look at me? After all, you should give me a chance to justify... Sam,
6: apparently you're laboring under an apprehension.
3: Of course I am.
4: Oh, boy, am I glad I picked the last in June and the first in July.
3: What are you talking about?
4: My vacation.
3: Vacation? You just had a vacation a few months back.
4: Twelve, Sam. That's a year.
3: Well, if you want to take advantage of a legal technicality... You no, know,
4: Sam, don't say goodbye, man. Well,
3: it, well, it's customary, I suppose. It's, it's lucky that some of us keep our nose to the grindstone, our ear to the ground, an eye to the future. Huh? Television's just around the corner, you know.
6: Oh, Sam.
3: <laughs> Come here, sweetheart. You look lovely in it. Come here. Have a wonderful time.
6: Oh, Sam. Oh, Sam. Come here. <gasps>
3: now, go on. You miss your train. Uh, where are you going?
6: The Los Sierras.
3: Well, just so you don't go to Canab, Utah.
6: All right, Sam. You know best. Good-, good night.
3: Good night, Sierra Sue. Now, who can we get for that part next week? <laughs>
1: The Adventures of Sam Spade, Dashiell Hammett's famous private detective, are produced and directed by William Spear. Sam Spade is played by Howard Duff. Lorene Tuttle is Effie. The Adventures of Sam Spade are written for radio by Bob Tallman and Gil Dowd, with musical direction by Lud Gluskin. Join us again next Sunday when author Dashiell Hammett and producer William Spear join forces for another adventure with Sam Spade, brought to you by Wild Root Cream Oil. Again and again, the choice of men who put good grooming first. This is Dick Joy reminding you to...
0: Get Wild Root Cream Oil, Charlie. It keeps your hair in trim. You see, it's non-alcoholic, Charlie. It's made with soothing lanolin. You better get Wild Root Cream Oil, Charlie. Start using it today. You'll find that you will have a tough time, Charlie. Keeping all the gals away. Hiya, baldy. Get Wild Root right away.
1: This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System.
11: Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant.
1: Brought to you by Wild Root Cream Oil Hair Tonic, the non-alcoholic hair tonic that contains lanolin. Wild Root Cream Oil, again and again, the choice of men who put good grooming first.
2: Office of Samuel Spade, Private Investments. I mean, Investigations. Good morning. Uh, Evening. Effie? Miss Perrine is on a vacation. Perhaps I may be of assistance, no doubt.
3: I don't know. To whom am I speaking to?
2: I am sorry. I cannot devolve that information to an entire stranger. May I take a message?
3: Look, uh, Miss, whoever you are, I don't want to discomode you, but I...
2: I am sorry, but I will have to ask you in no certain terms to resist from this line you are handing me. I am not the type secretary...
3: Forget it. I'll just call Miss Perrine long distance and dictate my report over the phone.
2: <gasps> oh, my stars and God! How utterly gouged of me, Mr. Spade! Oh, I'm Bernadine, Effie's relief. Uh, I mean yours.
3: I could use some.
2: Oh, shall I send out for some medicine?
3: Yeah. The phone number's on the wall behind the water cooler. Tell them the hundred proof bonded and hang the expense. I'll be right down to dictate my report on the bail bond caper.
6: <laughs>
1: Dashiell Hammett, America's leading detective fiction writer and creator of Sam Spade, the hard-boiled private eye, and William Spear, radio's outstanding producer-director of mystery and crime drama, join their talents to make your hair stand on end with the adventures of Sam Spade. Presented by the makers of Wild Root Cream Oil for the hair. Only three days left, gals, and June, the month of weddings, will be over. But don't worry, there are still 187 days left in leap year, Still time to snag the man of your dreams. You know, the one who uses wild root cream oil on his hair. He and millions of other men use wild root cream oil daily because wild root cream oil grooms the hair so neatly and naturally, relieves dryness, and removes loose dandruff. Any smart man who wants to look smart always insists on wild root cream oil hair tonic. Again and again, the choice of men who put good grooming first. And now, with Howard Duff starring as Spade, Wild Root brings to the air the greatest private detective of them all, in The Adventures of Sam Spade.
2: Oh, Mr. Spade. You are, Mr. Spade. You just gotta be.
3: Yes, but why?
2: It was faith. I knew it was gonna be like this.
3: I had my qualms, too, Bernadine.
2: Oh, that's good. I I sent the other back. The other what? I called that number, but it was euphonious. They sent whiskey. Is something the matter?
3: Uh, no. No, nothing at all. I'm perfectly qualm.
2: Well, I'm glad. My previous employer was very nervous, which is why I just happened to be tentatively at large when Effie reproached me about being a relief to her.
3: Figures. Uh, Bernadine, now I'm not being fresh. Honestly, I'm not, but do you take shorthand?
2: Yeah, but I don't speak it.
3: What is that you speak? Don't answer. Uh, Ready?
2: Rodney. I mean Roger. Uh, Date. I'll have to ask my mother.
3: Down, Bernadine. Uh, Date, June 27, 1948. To Miss Effie Perrine, care of Perry's Lodge, Kanab, the Pearl of the West, Utah. What? Oh, uh, wrong letter. I'll get to that later. Uh, Date, June 27, 1948. To Leo M. Scarlett Care of Leaf Branch Root, Knox and Wood Attorneys at Law 333 Pine Street, San Francisco From Samuel Spade License number 137596 Subject, the bail bond caper Dear Leo I'm sorry things turned out The way they did, Leo And I'd like you to know How I got into it It wasn't for the reward I don't take rewards I'm not in love with your wife No matter what she says And I wasn't sore at you About anything I was just sitting in my office, minding my own business when the door opened, and Vivian walked in. She looked every bit as beautiful as she did when she lived under me in Ma Tuttle's boarding house in 41. In fact, I didn't recognize her until she slithered out of her mink.
4: Hello, Sam. Surprised to see me?
3: Uh, yeah, but I'm trying not to show it. What's on your mind?
4: Is that all you've got to say to me, Sam?
3: Well, you're here on business, aren't you?
4: All right, I don't blame you. It all happened pretty sudden, Leo and me. I should have written her phone you, I suppose, but somehow... Forget I was... it,
3: Vivian. Now, uh, what do you need a detective for? Are you uh, thinking of divorce already? Oh, please don't, Sam.
4: If it was a mistake, I'm the one who has to live with it. And I made up my mind when I married Leo this time it's for keeps. No matter what.
3: Mm-hmm. What's the what?
4: He's in trouble, Sam.
3: Well, that's nothing new.
4: Well, this time I don't think it's his fault. When Leo went legit, he meant it.
3: What's he say he's doing now?
4: He's a bail bond broker.
3: Judging from your new look, I'd say he's a success.
4: Sam, a man called him on the phone today. I answered. He said his name was Holliday, but I recognized his voice. It was an old friend of Leo's, Charlie Rosenfoy.
3: Charlie, huh? When did he get out? A
4: couple weeks back. He was paroled. I don't know what he said over the phone... But Leo looked scared and sick.
3: I don't wonder. The word around town was that Charlie took the rap for Leo.
4: Well, I don't know anything about that. All I know is Leo's on the level now, and Charlie never will be. He did plenty on his own during that time he served. Well,
3: I won't argue that, but from where I sit, it looks like Leo better start wearing a gun again.
4: He has. That's what I'm so frantic about, Sam.
3: You hear any of the conversation from Leo's Sam?
4: He didn't say much. But I did hear him say, all right, ten tonight, I'll meet you there.
3: That wasn't very smart of him.
4: I know, but that's the way he is.
3: It might be only for a payoff.
4: I thought of that, too. But Leo hasn't got that kind of money. He's been dropping a lot at the racetracks lately. And even if he had it, he's not the type to pay blackmail.
3: I don't like it. Why should I stick my neck out? Why did you have to come to me anyway?
4: Because I trust you, Sam. I know you were jealous of Leo. I was? Sam, if we ever meant anything to... If you meant half the things you said to me when we
3: Stop it. That's blackmail.
4: Oh, I feel so lost and alone. I don't know where to turn.
3: Okay, okay. I'll see what I can do.
4: Oh, Sam. I'll make it up to you somehow. You see if I don't.
3: Sure you will. And tell Leo to stop dropping his money at Tan Ferran. This is going to cost him plenty. Vivian had said that your rendezvous with Charlie was scheduled for 10 in the p.m. and that you were too upset to go to work that day, so you'd be at home, 1246 Dunbar. I took a plan in your apartment building from a Sleepy Lagoon-type cocktail bar across the street called, you guessed it, the Sweet Leilani. Your wife joined me, and after a while, we got around to talking. At least she did.
4: <laughs> I bet you can't guess what I'm thinking about. Huh? Listen, Sam... You remember that night we drove to the half... Half Moon... Faye. Oh, you do remember. Oh, we used to do the craziest things. I should have married you, Sam.
3: (laughs) Please, not while I'm drinking.
4: You know what? The trouble with crooks... They have to work day and night.
3: Yeah.
10: Hey,
4: you're not listening.
3: No, but everybody else in the place is. Let's talk about you, Sam.
4: Did I ever tell you how I met Leo?
3: No, and please don't.
4: And then he opened a
3: bucket shop.
4: You know what a bucket shop is? Yeah. It's stockbrook. Brokerage. Yeah, that's right. Only it's crooked. That was the first business Leo started when he went legit.
10: Mm-hmm.
4: He had to shut it down on account of those securities. <laughs> somebody was always stealing out of the safe.
3: Were they insured?
4: Yeah, but they wouldn't renew his policy. So after the second nightclub burned down, and he couldn't get any insurance at all, even on his own life. That's why I'm so frantic, Sam. Hey, give me a nickel. I want to play Sweet Leilani.
3: Fifty nickels and two hours later, Sweet Leilani broke under the strain, so we had Princess Papuli to leave and that gave out, and we were starting on the Hawaiian war chant when she disappeared through a door marked Wahine's, Hawaiian for powder room, and never came back. Around 9.45, I mumbled something to the bartender about the lady will pay, put on my smoked glasses, and strolled out and across the street. You came out of the building a couple of minutes later. You led me a zigzag course up Merchant Street to Salon, across Salon to Commercial, down Commercial to Drum, and made a lateral pass over drum back to Dunbar. Your destination, I'd never have guessed it, was the Sweet Leilani. Happily, they were not playing Sweet Leilani. It was very, very quiet. The regular customers had taken a powder, and I didn't blame them. In the new crop at the bar, I counted ten broken noses, at least five broken paroles, assorted knife scars, and four pairs of cauliflower ears and one maverick. You slid into a booth at the end of the bar, took the gun out of your shoulder holster and laid it down on the table in front of you. I walked over, turned it around, so it was pointing at the jukebox instead of me and sat down.
7: Some other time, Spade. Some other time I drink with you. I'm
3: waiting for a friend. Why, the gun? You selling it to him? Maybe I give it to him. Go on, you drink at the bar. Ah, it's kind of crowded. Looks like uh, Charlie Rosenfoy's old mob. Who are they gunning for, you or Charlie? Why don't you ask them? What are you drinking, Leo? I was with a bottle all day, got a bad taste.
7: Do me a favor, Spade, there's a bar two doors down the street. Go drink there.
8: There's my friend coming in the door. Any friend of yours is a friend of mine, Leo. Look, Spade. Hello, Leo. What's the matter? You bring a bodyguard to meet your old friend Charlie? This Shamus threw his
7: weight in here. I didn't ask him. I don't need him.
8: Huh. That sounds like the old Leo Scarlatti I used the to.
7: The name be. is Scarlet.
8: Oh, pardon me. I've been on the rock for so long it's hard to catch up on all the changes. There's been a war, Charlie. Anyone tips you to it yet? You got a smart bodyguard, Leo. Let's talk. Let's go somewhere else and talk. Uh -uh, I like it
7: here. Okay, we start. How come you tipped the mob we were coming here? You promised you wouldn't. Like the shamans, they got a drink somewhere.
3: All right, say what's in your mind and I'll go. Yeah, and if you don't mind, I think I'll uh, do my drinking at the bar. Both of your guns were on the table. It didn't look as though you were going to use them on one another, and I figured that neither of you was going to do much talking in front of me anyway, so I strolled back to the end of the bar to look at the television. The 10 o'clock news roundup was on, and the ticket tape that was moving across the screen said, dot, 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 in Atlantic City today, period. I ordered a highball, and then the ticket tape started again. This time it said, San Francisco, million-dollar bail bond robbery. One million dollars in negotiable bonds is tonight in the hands of a group of daring hold-up men who commandeered an armored truck at the very portals of the police department in the Hall of Justice. And it's said this concludes the 10 o'clock edition of the television news roundup. I had a slight hunch that if the television boys had had their cameras on the big bail bond robbery that at least some of the characters would have been played by at least some of the bad actors that were foregathered in the sweet Leilani. In fact, what you and Charlie were saying and doing when I walked back to your booth was almost too much to the point. You let me see the bulky portfolio Charlie shoved across the table at you. It looked like a carrying case for bonds, bank messenger type. But it was sealed with wax blobs bearing the imprint of the great seal of the state of California. I was impressed.
8: Where'd you get this? You can read about it in the papers, and if I was you, I'd get this out of sight before them papers hit the street. One thing more, don't try to clip none of them coupons. And one thing more in addition, don't open it at all. Sure. Spade? Yeah, Leon?
7: I
3: think I hire you after all. I took the job and you handed me the portfolio. Outside, we flagged the taxi and you gave the driver an address on Portsmouth Square... Your office, I hate to remind you, was behind one of a bunch of neon-lighted storefronts across from the Hall of Justice. The sign on the door said press the button and let freedom ring any hour, day, or night. The only bell in sight was a stop-press-type burglar alarm. You unlocked the door and we went in. You paused in front of a big green safe with a combination lock and started twirling the knob. The tumblers clicked into place. I picked up an inkwell and waited for the safe to open.
7: All right, Spade, give me it.
3: I did, with both hands. With my left, I handed you the portfolio, and with my right, I pitched the inkwell at a well-wired slab of plate glass window. When the burglar alarm went into action, so did you. You dropped everything and were out of the door and out of sight before you could say, let freedom ring. While I was waiting for the cops to arrive, I helped myself to a five hundred dollar bearer bond I found lying loose in your safe. I had a feeling
1: I might be needing some bail myself. The makers of Wild Root Cream Oil are presenting the weekly Sunday adventure of Dashiell Hammett's famous private detective, Sam Spade. here's important news on good grooming. If you want the well-groomed look that helps you get ahead socially and on the job, listen. Recently, thousands of people from coast to coast who bought wild root cream oil for the first time were asked, how does wild root cream oil compare with the hair tonic you previously used? The results were amazing. Better than four out of five who replied said they preferred wild root cream oil. And no wonder. It gives you the advantages that men consider most important. Wild Root Cream Oil grooms your hair neatly and naturally, relieves annoying dryness, and removes loose dandruff. What's more, non alcoholic Wild Root Cream Oil is the only leading hair tonic that contains soothing lanolin, that's like the oil of your skin. So ask for Wild Root Cream Oil Hair Tonic. Again and again, the choice of men who put good grooming first. By the way, smart girls use Wild Root Cream Oil too, and mothers say it's grand for training children's hair. Now back to the Bail Bond Caper. Tonight's adventure with Sam Spade.
3: I had hoped, Leo, when I made my spectacular move in your bail bond office and set the bells to ringing that I'd get the caper off my neck and onto the capable shoulders of the police where it now belonged. Then I told myself I could go home and get some sleep. I had never been that fond of Vivian anyway. I was holding the million-dollar portfolio, complete with its big official seals still unbroken, ready to hand it over with a flourish to the first boy in blue that rushed in. But then I saw something that dashed my hopes. There was a strip of scotch tape across the bottom of it. It wasn't up to me to tamper with important evidence, but I didn't have to. It was only a question of what magazine had been cut up to replace the million dollars in bearer bonds. That question was answered at headquarters 20 minutes later. It turned out to be the last 52 issues of Radio Life, which even Captain Walsh of the robbery detail admitted was no help. Neither was Captain Walsh.
7: Now, Spade, in your statement here, you state, uh, so, 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 sweet Leilani, and that Rosenfoy did hand portfolio exhibit in question to Leo M. Scarlett, alias Scarlatti, at approximately 10.20 p.m. this day.
3: That's it, Captain.
7: Now, uh, you're sure you want to stick with this? You don't want to change any part of the statement?
3: No, I just want to go home and go to bed. I'm afraid you're going to stay with us for a while. Who, me? Um, statement
7: of Jordan Joyce, M.D., statements of Hilda Sackrider, R.N.N., Mildred Devilbis R.N. day and night nurses, respectfully. Who's sick? Rosenfoy. He's been quarantined in his home in Daly City since his release from Alcatraz four days ago. Chicken pox. Sorry, Sam, I'll have to book you. You sure you don't want to add anything to that statement?
3: Uh, Only this. Kelsey Walsh, if you continue to do such brilliant police work, you will be waving a stop sign at a school crossing in time for the fall semester. You are a hangnail and a finger of justice. (laughs) I thought I had been courteous and cooperative, but even so, it was the middle of the afternoon by the time they set my bail. 1,500 bucks. That made it life. But I hadn't had time to hang the curtains in my cell when I got even worse news. My bail had been posted by who? Vivian, a banana peel, and the steps of progress. She met me outside.
4: Well, aren't you going to thank me?
3: What for? Getting me in jail or getting me out?
4: Getting you out, of course. It was all the money I had in all the world. Leo's money was impounded, you know. But Sam, when I thought of what you and I once meant to each other, and maybe we still... Yeah,
3: yeah, well, uh, you'll get your money back. I'm not really guilty.
4: Oh, I know that.
3: What else do you know?
4: I guess it's safe to talk. Leo phoned me today.
10: Where is he? He wouldn't
4: say. Some pay station. He kept putting in nickels. Sam, you've got to talk to him. You've got to convince him it's best to give himself up.
3: Now you're beginning to make sense, sweetheart. But how can I get to talk to him?
4: I've arranged it. He's to meet us at the Club Leilani, you know, where we had our reunion yesterday.
3: That place on Dunbar? Yeah. Oh, that's great. A crowded saloon less than a block from the police department. Besides, the place has lousy memories for me. By the way, did you ever get out of the ladies' room?
4: If you don't mind, I'd rather talk about something else.
3: Okay, let's talk about how do we bring this big secret meeting off in a crowded cafe. Is Leo coming in a false beard?
4: You really think I'm stupid, don't you?
3: I didn't say so.
4: Well, it so happens that the place is closed on Tuesday. See that sign in the window? Closed, Tuesday?
3: Mm-hmm. Now, how do we break in?
4: I was counting on you. You're a detective. Can't you use a glass key or something?
3: Did you say that bail bonds you bought for me was all the money you had in the world?
4: That's the truth.
3: Then get ready to forfeit it.
4: It's a risk I've got to take.
3: You've got to take?
4: Sam, please, if we ever meant any. Yeah, to...
3: I know. Half Moon Bay. But sometimes I wish we hadn't been childhood sweethearts... Wait here, I'll case the alley.
10: The alley wasn't
3: much better. There were two windows, washroom type, all glass brick except the two small ventilators big enough to put your hand through. The only hope was the kitchen skylight. I didn't have any trouble getting up to it. But once I was there, things didn't look so good. The view from the roof was a garage door with two green lights flanking it. Then it struck me where I was and why I was there. The Club Leilani backed directly on the Hall of Justice where the big bail bond robbery had taken place at 5 p.m. the night before. Without further ado, I put my foot through a pane of the skylight, reached in, unlatched it, and dropped. Hurry up! Let me Sam! Up at the front of the building, I could hear Vivian clamoring for admittance. I decided to let her clamor for another minute or two. It isn't a thing I often do, but I walked resolutely into the ladies' powder room. It was very well equipped. It had furniture, a telephone, and more clues than I needed. The magazines were there, the razor blades were there, the scotch tape was there. There was even a scraping of red sealing wax on the steel frame of the window slot. But best of all was what I found in the paper towel dispenser. I lifted it out and moved it next door to the men's washroom. Then I let her in
4: kept you so long you'll spoil everything i was afraid you'd
3: here comes your husband
4: <gasps> oh. come on let me in what happened leo you're early Any
7: objections <sighs> i just got itchy that's all how are you baby
4: don't leo i'm so nervous Strange. what are
7: we gonna do baby what's spade going to do for us
4: tell him sam i'll leave you two alone to talk it out I'll freshen up a little I haven't had my face on all day
7: poor kid Well, Spade, let's have it.
3: Yeah, she's right, Leo. I can do a lot for you, but you've got to do something for me. Spade, this is level. I
7: never saw those bonds. I know that. Then what are you after?
3: The truth. It's the only thing that can save you, and if you take this rap, I take it too. I'm in clear up to my neck.
7: Okay. Charlie Rosenfoy came around to Vivian and made her this proposition. He was going to pull this bail bond job and plant the goods on me to get even for the rap he thought he'd taken for me. Mm -hmm. Vivian pretended to play along with him, only she got hold of the package long enough to take the bonds out and put the old magazines in instead. The idea was the mob would think Charlie had double crossed them, taken the goods for himself and delivered a phony packet to their banker, which was supposed to be me. Only you had to get smart and set off that burglar alarm. Now I'm getting the squeeze on all sides. The mob, the law, Charlie are all gunning for me at once. Don't worry
3: about the mob and the law, and don't worry too much about Charlie.
7: What are you driving at?
3: That'll be him now. Who tipped him? I was here. Get back in the corner. It's dark in here. He'll never see you. I'll take care of him. All right. Hello, Charlie. Oh. Come on in.
7: it
3: gone. You're my friend. Sure, I'm your friend. Come here.
7: Yeah, sure, Spade.
3: <laughs> Pleasant dreams, fellas. Now I act. Hey, Charlie! No, Leo! Vivian?
4: Sam? Is that you?
3: Yeah. The last of your boyfriends.
4: You mean Leo? Charlie?
3: Yeah. They just knocked each other off.
4: Oh, Sam. I can't see. It's dark.
3: Where are you? Right here, in front of the jukebox. You sure? Hope to die. (laughs) Drop it, Vivian. It's empty.
4: Sam,
10: Sam!
3: Vivian, how could you? After Half Moon Bay. I'm sorry I had to knock you boys out, Leo, but uh, better lumps than bullet holes, eh? After she started wrapping up the caper, it wasn't too hard to figure what she was up to, providing you could keep her smoke out of your eyes. She told Charlie how to operate on you and told you how to operate on Charlie. A million dollars for her and two dead gangsters lying on the floor of an empty joint where they'd shot it out. The secret of the missing bonds that have to be written off by the police is having died with either one of whichever of you ever had them. Period. End of something.
2: Pardon me, Mr. Spade. I know you're tired, and if you're too brushed, please feel free to elude the whole matter.
3: Yes, okay, let's do that.
2: Thank you. Effie said that you were always glad to qualify any little points that she didn't understand. Mm
3: -hmm. She said that, did she?
2: Yeah, (laughs) but she also said that quite accidentally that you sometimes leave things out that should be left in.
3: Bernadine, times are very bad. They're cutting salaries everywhere.
2: But where were they during the whole Ethereus affair, if you'll pardon the expression?
3: The bonds? In the paper towel dispenser, didn't I say so?
2: Oh, that's what you moved to the men's. Mm-hmm. But how did they get there? In the Walrini's, if you'll pardon the expression.
3: Simple. When the thieves whizzed through the alley after the heist, Vivian had her well-manicured little lunch hook thrust through the window slot to receive them.
2: Oh, that's how the red sailing wax got there.
3: Bernadine, you're spectacular. Now go and type this up. You're making me nervous.
1: You know what they say about people who like mysteries? Once a mystery fan, always a mystery fan. And that goes for hair tonics, too. Once a Wild Root Cream Oil fan, always a Wild Root Cream Oil fan. Just try it and you'll see what I mean. Wild Root Cream Oil grooms the hair neatly and naturally, relieves annoying dryness, and removes loose, ugly dandruff. So tonight, or first thing tomorrow, step up to your drug or toilet goods counter and ask for Wild Root Cream Oil. Get the big economy bottle and the handy new tube that's easy to pack when you travel. Also, ask your barber for a professional application of Wild Root Cream Oil Hair Tonic. Again and again, the choice of men who put good grooming first.
2: Well, here it is, Mr. Spade. I hope it's not too erroneous.
1: Oh,
3: I'm sure it's quite offensive.
2: Don't you mean inoffensive, Mr. Spade?
3: Have it your way.
2: I don't want to sound imprudent, Mr. Spade, but I must say that your conduct through the whole thing was very brave and outrageous.
3: Don't you mean courageous?
2: <laughs> oh, now I've got you doing it. You're going to be just like Mr. Cummel. Your
3: previous employer, no doubt.
2: Yeah, poor man. You know, he finally became completely erasable. They had to take him away.
3: Mm-hmm. What were his symptoms?
2: Well, when he ordered the puppy biscuits, I thought he was just being concentric. But after a while, he wouldn't answer to anything but Rover. I had to sprinkle his flea powder in the morning, you know? And then he had his little tricks. He always wanted to show off, you know, sitting up and rolling over. He could shake hands, too.
3: What's so great about that? Any dog can shake hands.
2: Yeah, but can you scratch your ear with your foot?
3: If I uh, set my mind to it. Now go home, Bernadine, or I'll report you to the SPCA.
2: (laughs) You can't frighten me. Abby told me that your bark is worse than your bite... Good night, Mr. Spade.
3: Effie, in far-off Canab. come home, sweetheart.
1: The Adventures of Sam Spade, Dashiell Hammett's famous private detective, are produced and directed by William Spear. Sam Spade is played by Howard Duff. The Adventures of Sam Spade are written for radio by Bob Tallman and Gil Dowd, with musical direction by Lud Gluskin. Gil Dowd directed tonight's broadcast in William Spears' absence. Join us again next Sunday for another adventure with Sam Spade, brought to you by Wild Root Cream Oil. Again and again, the choice of men who put good grooming first. This is Dick Joy reminding you to... Get Wild Root Cream Oil, Charlie
0: It keeps your hair in trim You see, it's non-alcoholic, Charlie It's made with soothing lanolin You better get Wild Root Cream Oil, Charlie Start using it today You'll find that you will have a tough time, Charlie Keeping all the gals away Hiya, Baldy! Get Wild Root right away
1: This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System.
0: That wraps it up for tonight's show at 1001 Radio Crime Solvers. We really enjoy good reviews, so when you have a chance, say something nice about a selection of shows, or maybe suggest some to us. Thanks for joining us. See you next time.